Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. In this episode, we hear from two development professionals, Caleb Baker, who has spent most of his career in development, and Greg Lowenhagen, a relative newcomer to the nonprofit sector. My name is Greg Lowenhagen. I am the Vice President of Development and Communications with the Interfaith Food Shuttle. I have been there for almost two years. It'll be two years in November. And we are a Feeding America food bank that works in seven counties in and around the Triangle, primarily in Wake and Durham counties. I'm Caleb Baker. I uh, work for the United Methodist Retirement Homes. Um, I'm in fundraising. I raise money for benevolent care for uh, people at Crowsdale Village in Durham, um, Cypress Glen Retirement Community in Greenville, North Carolina, and Wesley Pines in Lumberton, North Carolina. I've been there just about a year and a half. Um, How did you get into it? You said you've been there a year and a half, and you have a, yeah. a very solid, long-running development background um, with Triangle Community Foundation, yeah. and UNC, and other places. How did you land here? Uh, I met my predecessor. Um, his name is George Deaton, and he finally decided to retire last year. He's, I think he's about 78, and it's his third career, and uh, he, he, he's still our capital campaign consultant, so he's not really retired. He can't retire. Um, but he was there for 16 years, and I met him at some plan-giving things. I thought, man, if that guy ever decides to retire, I want to apply for his job. And sure as shooting, he did, and so I was like, okay. Uh, and and it, it interests me just because, um, you know, I've had I've known folks who had to leave retirement homes and go live with family because they ran out of money. And it's sure. like, that sucks. Who can do that? You know, how can you how can you take care of a of a family member when you're trying to have a full time job and family? And you know, it's it's not. I mean, I know lots of other cultures do that, but no, it's a wonderful cause. Here, here we're not set up Clearly. to do that as as easily. So, but. I'm working. I'm when when Sandy told me that I was being set up with with you as our as our uh, date for this. Um, it's like, man, I'm this guy's way too cool. Like the founder of Hopscotch, I'm very intimidated. I want I want to learn more about that. Uh, well, that just started when I was at the Independent Weekly. Mm-hmm. So I had gone to UNC and lived in other areas. Came back here. Classic case of just selfishly looking for something fun to do back in 2009 mm-hmm. in Raleigh and talked to some friends uh, who were musicians or, or business owners that I knew um, and said, what's the big weekend to put on the calendar? And there wasn't really anything to, that of note at that time that was of this scale. So I thought it was just an opportunity to, if it didn't exist and I wanted to do it, maybe we could create it. And so I talked to Steve Shule, who's now the mayor of Durham, right. Right. You know, founder of the Indy and, and former business partner of mine, ultimately. But huh. it, it, it took his blessing. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't have probably have been able to put it together without the the backing of the independent and him willing to take the risk and then got Grayson Curran, um, who was the music editor at the time, uh, you know, roped into it and we just kind of started brainstorming. It just took off. And once Steve gave it the the rubber stamp and decided we were going to do it for the longest time, and I I don't know if some people know this, but it was the independent weekly's Hopscotch Music Festival. It was Ah. like, you know, directly related. And since then it's spun out, of course, into its own business. I ultimately sold it Mm -hmm. um, to three gentlemen at Etix which is a local ticketing mm-hmm. company. And yeah, I just think it, I think there was a need in the community. I think that's why it's lasted um, nine years. I think people were attracted to the concept of bringing in bigger bands from out of town, right. pairing them with local bands. And um, 
And I think for my nonprofit, I mean, once I had sold Hopscotch, I stayed on as director for two years, but I really started to think about what my career trajectory would be following that, <laughs> what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was help, you know, right. help people. And, and I had a, a, a few columns that I was looking at, whether it was healthcare or kids or, you know, fundamental needs like, you know, food yeah. and, you know, basic stuff like that. I, I, I didn't, for instance, want to get it. I, I mean, I adopted a dog, right? But I didn't want to work for the SPCA. It's just not where I was. So I right. looked in a few columns. I luckily, my exit uh, aligned with the food shuttle looking for a development director at the same time, really creating a new development department, mm -hmm. new dedicated development position. And it just worked out. I'd heard a lot of great things about them. Yeah. And I got kind of lucky and it just worked out. Um, and now I don't know if I, I, I do like the for-profit world. I like entrepreneurship and starting something on your own. But I see the similarities a little bit with the food shuttle in that it yeah. is kind of the little engine that could, um, you know, in the shadow a little bit of the bigger food bank and, and doing a lot of the same work and a lot of different work. And so I'm, I, I, it's really appealing, too. And I want to continue down this path. I think I really enjoy it. I think the one thing that I brought from Hopscotch was a little bit more of a focus on corporate giving. Mm -hmm. For the for the food shuttle, which I don't think they had as many, and I had made those relationships by trying to get sponsors for the music festival, right. and and it turns out those people are also interested in doing good in the community. It may come from a different bucket, right. uh, whether it's their foundation or a different piece. But um, I think that helped me, though I didn't have the entrenched nonprofit relationships with the Triangle Community Foundations and things like that. I did have some corporate contacts, and sure. we have we have raised that level of giving, um, that that budget line at the food shuttle has increased because of that. Now, we still have a long way to go, and I've got a long way to go in learning about individuals. You mentioned something about plan giving, which I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about because sure. I think a big blind spot for us is 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 plan giving. Mm -hmm. um, it's because I had no background in it, and yeah. I still don't even 22 months into the job. So I would love to hear more about that from you about, of course, you're working at that retirement age right? Um, in, in retirement care, and right. I think that fits well. And so how much of your fundraising overall comes from from individuals and individuals that are sort of end of life making, you know, plans, um, plan giving plans? I'd say 95, at least 90% of our wow. money comes from individual giving. Uh, not all planned giving, but because there are a lot of folks who are still alive, but uh, we have a good amount of planned gifts set up. Um, and we, so that was one of my steepest learning curves in this job was uh, the charitable gift annuity. Yep. This, this, you know, it's like you give us a set amount of money, then we'll give you this smaller portion of that for the rest of your life. And um, so learning how to set those up and, and uh, working with folks for that and seeing, you know, seeing the, the value of that for them. It's not just a, you know, it's, 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 it actually is a benefit for us and them. And then seeing how the joke is that if you, have, if you sign one of these with us, you're going to live forever. You're going to outlive your, you know, your, your money. They're getting back so you'll sure. end up making money off of us. So but that was uh, that's a, um, something that was fun and hard to figure out. But usually, you know, people will say, I'm going to put you in my will, you know, or, or family members. We have a lot of people who are very grateful for us, the, the family of a of deceased relative who said, man, you know, mom and dad really love living here. I want to, I'd like to name this garden for them. Or, you know, so we have a lot of naming opportunities. That's, 
that's something that also has is, is, uh, been a big thing for me to, to learn about that because for the community foundation, we have naming opportunities and right. you know, UNC does, but I was not that far up the food chain. Yep. Um, so as you build new facilities, those, yeah. those opportunities for naming things come up. Right. So, yeah. Like we have a, um, you know, we have an awesome gentleman who, he, uh, he, he wanted to name it for his deceased wife. I was like, oh, I really want to name the, the auditorium for her. And uh, yeah, he's like, here's $750,000. Let's name it for her. It's like, and this guy had a, has had a, an amazing life. He was a page for the Supreme Court Justice in 1954 with the Brown versus Board of Education vote. Wow. <laughs> it's like, just he's had a really amazing things in his life. And it's just, I don't know, just meeting folks like that has been, the best part of my job because everybody at the retirement community has a story and it's like some of them are just they're all amazing stories but then some of them are just like mind-blowing just oh you're the physicist who helped land the first moon landing with you know or things like that but so so yeah plan giving has is definitely a thing we we do a lot of I, and i always prefer an outright plan gift as opposed to a gift annuity just because it's not a bet but um, it's challenging, but you're right. It's fun it, it, because it's the same as talking to any. I mean, the, the job is so fun because you get to talk to people that right. turn out to be right <laughs> so interesting, and and you're getting to tell a really interesting story about the work you're doing. Like you said, I mean, you're. It's not you're, a sales job. That's you know, right. It's like I want to learn here about your passion, your story, and then if if my passion and what I'm trying to do matches your passion, then that's a great thing. But I'm not going to try and push you know, name this building for somebody or. Sure. You know, well, I wanted to talk to you about that, too, because I think yeah. that's interesting. Is How do you go around? So if we're talking candidly here, we mm -hmm. want to take money whenever we can in sure. some ways. Right. Um, but we also have those donors who want something in return, uh, particularly individuals sometimes yeah. would like to name a room. or And, you know, we can't say anything bad about those folks because they're looking to support us. But we also have to steer them a little bit at times because it's not not every not every deal that we do, if you will, can be transactional in that way. Right. Um, so how do you get around that? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I, I'm not the type of person who wants to name every chair and sure. you know have bricks and name for. But something tangible but, and quote sellable right makes it frankly right easier for them, to, more palatable in yeah. a way for them, and, and oftentimes more attractive. And we've got to walk that fine line of not naming every chair. Right. I, th this uh, this guy, local guy, and I'm not I'm not a pitch for him, but this guy Bill Crouch uh, is a is a consultant, and uh, he's talking about he had a guy who had a you know an old skating rink, and somehow he started like using this old skates. He would send them to donors as for and it had some meaning for for um, a meaningful gift to them, you know, and uh, so they make a donation, they get a, one one of these skates, and that was a thing, and it was like. That's brilliant, yeah. you know, because they, they had that on their desk and they were proud of it. And you know, to him, it was just like we're getting rid of these. But sure. but he put a little plaque on it and it makes it makes it a deal. Um, and I think you know if we can find something in our industries that are like that, uh, whether it be a you know a card from a you know we used to have a syndicate to camp program at they still do at community foundation and uh, you know just having a, a letter from one of these little kids that makes a huge difference. Or you know I don't know I, if you could bronze a tin can of green beans and since people, you know, yeah, I don't right. know. You don't exactly. want to spend a lot of money, but you know what no, I'm saying. You, you want to do, you want to do something, something meaningful, memorable, right. and not just and, and a handwritten note. Just of course makes a lot of difference.
and so you know we try not to do too many events. You said right. you have a golf tournament. Yeah, that's that's they've had that. This is our twentieth year for our golf tournament, and you know it's been it's last year was a little rainy, but it it was still fun. Uh, but yeah, that's what that's the only event we do. Thankfully, I I uh, I don't know what other kind of events to do. Sure. I mean, I do meet with residents like in groups uh, just to discuss you know, plan giving vehicles and things like that. But that's. That's, I don't see that as an event. I see that as a so we're we're trying to do more of them. You are we actually have hired yeah. an events manager, and That's awesome. today our our employee of the year last year was our volunteer coordinator. Uh-huh. Food shuttle has twelve thousand volunteers mm. a year. It's just remarkable how big that operation is. They forty percent of the total hours worked in the company. If you look at a balance sheet, forty percent of it comes from wow. people giving their time. Wow! So it's huge for our yeah. corporate engagement, and yeah. individuals, all types of church groups, all types of different groups. But she just moved over, and this morning started as our events manager because we're putting a focus on events. Mm-hmm. But here we are, two weeks away from this farm dinner with the best lineup I can think of, and it, you know we're not we're going to come out okay, right? Even if we don't sell another sure. ticket now, we've got a great gift around the, the event that's coming from some generous donors. And But it is interesting because we're adding, we have a couple, obviously we're in the food business, so it's easy for us to do, I think, food events. Right. Food events are really desirable right. in some ways. Absolutely. So that's helpful for us. We don't have a golf tournament, for instance, but... It's interesting. It's another thing in the nonprofit world when I started looking at what do nonprofits do. Golf tournaments are very common um, and dinners, right. big, big gals, right. very common. And we're just trying to come creative ways to engage more people around them. But it takes time, resources, and more than I remembered, actually, right. having you know not done hopscotch for two years now. And, and I just wonder if we get into the world of sort of donor fatigue. Yeah. You know, we've got a base of people. How big is your donor base? Have you thought of your file size-wise, if you're willing to share? It's not, it's not super huge. Um, like 6,000 people. Yeah, so ours would be a little more than that annually. Mm-hmm. So we have a bigger file if you look at three years or five years, but you know, I think we're 7,500 to yeah. 9,000 a year give to the food shuttle. And if we ask them to give around the holidays, right, and then for this May match, and then to come to this gala, and then to come, to, it, it, it gets, and then we've got a big fundraiser with WRAL we do in July. I think one of our challenges, we've, we're the, the big thing we've got going on right now, we're just launching it, and it'll be more officially launched at the end of this month, though it is public, is we're the 2019 Band Together partner. Oh, wow. Which is huge for us. That it's is. It's the first time we've done it, and it's their 19th year. Right. It's supposed to raise over a million bucks for our child yeah. hunger programs, yeah. basically school pantries, backpack buddies, our child food hub. And they'll probably look to you to get the bands too. And we, yeah, <laughs> we, like, yeah, and I'm right back in the yeah, I'm back in the that's trying, awesome, trying to book a Congratulations. band. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. So that's really big, but it also abuts with our already biggest event of the year, which is oh. WRAL's Mediathon. I just I wonder what kind of how do you kind of deal with donor fatigue? And asking for so much so often, and, yeah. or so um, little so often. I, I don't have a great answer for that. I don't. I'm at. Um, I've seen it firsthand. Uh, you know, the community foundation just having events and events and events and events. But uh, it's tough. It is. It, it's because you do have this. You're hitting the same people up all the time, and and they're like, hey, I've, I've I've given to this these six. You know, focus things. Don't hit me with the seventh or tenth. Yep. You know, um, 
And the thing I've learned from events, mostly from the Association of Fundraising Professionals, but also from from the golf tournament, is that you know spending a ton of money on events and then just breaking even is you know that's that's right. It, it raises awareness, which is a good thing. But if you're just you know like we moved from a, a private golf club to a public golf club just because it was you know tremendously cheaper. Yeah. And we'd raise the same amount of money, so it's why not? Or you know the the National Philanthropy Day is a big deal. And it moved from a country club to a to the the frontier, you know, a free space. Yeah. And it's like, you each have to hire a caterer. It's like, why well, pay twenty thousand and make you know twenty five thousand? We could just make, exactly. maybe have a smaller event and, and and do it right. But it sounds like you guys have so many good connections that. Sure, but then you know, and then there's the the strange aspect that I think is new to me as a nonprofit um, ethos is sort of the donors also are very keen to make sure that you are spending their dollars, as they should be, yeah. spending their dollars on what you're supposed to be doing. Right. right? And so some of them could see these, say, well, you're hosting another dinner. or you're doing, Right. You know, and it all... It all <laughs> this brochure it, sure is really shiny. That's it's right. Like, I'm uh, sorry. Exactly. And we're using a new mail company. Do yeah. you do direct mail? Uh, no. Well, no, it's an annual report. Okay. But, you know, the nicer annual, annual right. report looks... Right. Um, should you know, should make sense that you yeah. want it to be that yeah. way, and then some folks are going to say, "Well, why'd you spend the money on the glossy yeah. print and things?" I think that's yeah. it's really interesting. But I think it's I think it's cool that people care that way, and they should. But there's also the idea that listen, just because we have a nicer website, right? You know, we built and this in house, and we're going to we again we're competing for people's because space. awareness is so important, and so yeah. you you can't pinch every penny and think you're going to be the best nonprofit in your field. Because, you know, it's just, you know, for the folks who look at the, you know, what's your administrative fee? It's like, well, sometimes you do have to run like a for-profit and, and have marketing and have, exactly. you know, people know who you're, because I think, you know, the United Methodist Retirement Home sounds, you know, if I say, if I, say I work at Crowsdale Village, well, people in Durham get that. But if I say I work for the United Methodist Retirement Home, they're like, I have no idea what that is. Okay, you're, you know, you're a pastor somewhere. Sure. And, you know, they don't, sure. they don't get that. And so, you know, awareness is huge. Yeah, and there's, I think there is a lot of trends, and, and the folks around us from the nonprofit center would know better than I do probably about trying to get away from that old admin percentage. Right. You know, the, yeah. the, the Bible says it's got to right. be you know, less than 15%, and it's got to be done this way. Yeah, there's something about the, the idea that we've got to operate, we've got to pay people. To do, they're doing the work. You want the good people in your jobs. Yeah. And and, and, and you want people to stay in their jobs. That way you can build a relationship with other folks, with your donor base, and not, you know, because that's the biggest thing in, in non-profit fundraising is the, is the hop. Yeah. You know? So you and I have outlasted the... You know, the the, the mean. Yeah. yeah, I think. Probably. What is it for a development director? I think, Two I think years? 15 months or 15 less. 15 months. Yeah. We do deal with a lot of turnover. Just, I mean, just in time for you to read all the names in the database, and then you're, you're gone. So, um, reminds me, I should be updating my resume. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, Your I mean, boss I, didn't hear that. No, it's a joke. They, uh, <laughs> I love it um, where where I am, and I, and I and I do think that that admin. I'm glad that conversation's happening, and yeah. hopefully, reaching a wider net of people. And I think it might be generational. I could be speculating there that I think younger folks get that. Um, that you're going to need to, if you want talented folks 
doing the work, which is ultimately the bottom line, why people give. People give us money so that we can make more of an impact. Right. Period. Right. And we're only going to make more of an impact if we get really competent, excellent people doing the work. And those people aren't going to work for nothing. Um, which is kind of this old idea that nonprofits are supposed to operate on the, the skinniest shoestring possible and then, you know, and do all of this stuff. Meanwhile, people are going to complain about the stamp they get in the mail or something right. being too nice in the direct mail. So um, That has been one of the hardest parts about my job currently is that, you know, I'm, I'm, most of my donors are seniors and they're, you know, they don't communicate via email. And, you know, it's like, you know, just, you know, I'm like, well, we should do this. This as a campaign, and like uh, no, they like you know just getting a card. Traditional, and, yeah, yeah, and that's been really tricky to figure out what's yeah what's the best way. To get we wrestle them. with that a lot because yeah. we we I think our donor base is 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 older as well. Yeah, we also want to usher in. We're going into the thirtieth anniversary next year. We also have mm-hmm. to usher in a new generation of people that are attracted to our mission and and care about what we do, and they don't open their mail. Yeah, and they don't have right. checkbooks. Right, and they do give online. They do give. You know, a we lot have online. no on. We have an online giving portal, and I can count on, you know, one hand how many gifts we've gotten since I've been there through that. So it's like, that that is a big piece yeah. of what we do. Right. is the online piece, and it's and it's growing. Yeah. You know, we we have to have a, of active Facebook and, right. and Twitter and Instagram, and because we want kids, the yeah. next generation to, to care, yeah. and to be engaged. Um, and so it is kind of we're balancing between the two. Um, and I think we probably need more of that where I am because you know a lot of our a lot of our residents, at least their children, you know, always are online to see you know, what what's happening with you know the, the retirement homes and, and there's we have we have some focus, but then we're also kind of resting on our laurels because the baby boomers haven't even hit yet. Right. And we have a 600 person wait list. You know, That's for, a big wait list. It is, and it's you know it's but it's not all they're not all wanting to be donors as well. So sure. it's kind of it's very separate, you know. I don't I don't get to see who's coming in, in like their bank account, yeah. Which would make a huge e- my job easy. We, we we've got to focus <laughs> on seniors as well yeah, at yeah. the food shuttle right now. Our executive director Dave Coke is again we're we're looking to to kind of carve out our identity alongside the food bank, and the food bank is just mm-hmm. massive. I mean, right. they move 70 million pounds of food a year in 22 counties. They're just incredibly good at at shipping and distribution and warehousing, mm-hmm. and we're better at programs right. in some, some of the programs, you know, mm-hmm. um, the teaching part and the urban gardens and the ag and... and the holistic approach, but I think senior hunger has been a, is going to be a focus for us and because it's just going to be huge. Yeah, um, and I think and the, next, the work you guys do and, and Meals on Wheels and I mean it's just that's crucial because it, it is it is huge. Like it, there are a lot of people who are just not mobile and need that. Yeah, we don't. I don't think we do enough for our seniors yeah. in some ways. We focus a lot on kids too. It's kind of like kids right. and seniors are our two sort of focus groups. Mm-hmm. The food shuttle. And I think that's become more evident with Dave's leadership. But um, it's interesting. I don't think about the baby boomers who are going to, I don't know, 600 people waiting. It makes me think that there's just another need to continue to have more. Because because right now, as far as I know it, as you said it, senior for-profit senior living communities are are tremendously expensive. And, and we're tremendously expensive for, for a lot of folks. I mean, there's a you can get an apartment or you can get a home. It depends, you know, but it's still it's still not... It's not something everybody can just do. 
Yeah. You know, to pay up front 40 grand to get in. It's just like, ooh, 40 grand. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Since you've been on the job 15 months or 18 months now, any sort of victories that you're proud of or stuff that you would say would be something that you're hanging your hat on and keeping you going, basically? Sure. Um, So my colleague, Cheryl, uh, has been there for, she's the development associate, but she really runs the show because she's been there for 17 years. And she and I have closed some really lovely gifts from people that have been impactful. uh, we just we just finished this uh, prayer garden, um, which at, at Crowsdale Village in Durham, and um, it, it was it, a donor wanted to name it for he and his wife, but a lot of the money didn't come from him. It came from friends who supported him because he was a pastor for his whole life, so he didn't have a huge amount of money to give. But and, and you know these things cost a ton of. They, my eyes exploded when I saw the final. You know it's like two hundred eighty thousand dollars to build this outdoor little garden. In a wedge between two buildings, yeah. but it's it's beautiful and it's it's uh and this gentleman who who founded it he's ninety seven and he's the most spry person you'll ever meet he's you know wearing his suspenders working out every day or at least four days a week and just seeing him and he's like you know we had a lot of uh, permit issues with the city of Durham and so you know, it took a long time for it to build and uh, be to be built and then uh, to have it finished. You know, him, him still living. Because he, he, he mentioned to me several times, I hope this gets done before That's I great. go. And I'm like, Dr. Mercer, I hope it does too. <laughs> City of Durham, thank you. <laughs> That's wonderful. But no, just having that up and done and having the, you know, the, the donors step up and say, I, you know, I, I really care for all the things this man has done and his wife. You know, they really impacted my life and I, I'm absolutely going to give, you know, here's $50,000. And just to see, to see that and to, to, to have this thing come to completion and have a little ceremony and, Everybody be there, and his whole family come, and it was just really That's beautiful. really lovely. It yeah. is. It's very nice. I don't have anything as nice as that, really. Yeah. Um, but I would say I think that we do have some upcoming projects yeah. like that. With the, we have some farm buildings we yeah. build, and, and and the child food hub eventually will be named, hopefully, and there'll be a ceremony quite similarly, I think, once that happens. Um, I think I think my big thing at the food shuttle has been the small victory of getting people comfortable, and this isn't all my doing by any stretch, obviously not. It has a lot to do with the the organization being more financially stable than it's ever been. Right. Having an endowment for the first time mm-hmm. and, and some money in the bank. And that solvency has really created a comfort level. But I think passing on, getting people comfortable with bigger gifts yeah. at the food shuttle has been a big deal. Yeah. I think we were playing in a space of, $5,000 a major gift, and I think that's probably still accurate that we're trying to raise that bar to $10,000 being mm-hmm. kind of our major gift mm-hmm. level. And I think a lot of people are in that space at 5000 right. bucks and above. Absolutely. But about increasing the number of large gifts through people understanding that they're not alone in that, mm-hmm. you know, and they're mm-hmm. not out on a ledge. It's just there's other people that are going to take a 50000 or a $100,000 right. plunge or greater, greater than that. Um, and being comfortable with the organization and its leadership and, and frankly, our de- development department mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to to be stewards of that money right. and to spend it wisely and to, to have it go to the programming. And I think that's been the biggest thing in the last 22 months yeah. since I've been at the food shuttle is just trying to 
elevate the number of people who are in that world, in that right. space for us. Yeah. And, right. it, and it matters. And that's huge know. to have that pipeline and to grow it and to make it, you know, it's so cliche to hear that, but it's so it's so relevant and to, to have folks who are willing to say, I'll, I'll step up and I will make a bigger gift. And then, you know, leveraging that, leveraging that to show, hey, look, this person made this gift. Will you consider that too? That's right. You're not alone in this yeah, world of right. $100,000 donors. Right. And if you can do that, then you could, they, it's funny how it you know, attracts attracts a crowd really, it does. in some ways. And I think that's been the, the best thing so far. I mean, there's been some other individual giving stories that I like, but I think generally the comfort level of people with the food shuttles work and our financial yeah. solvency has helped. And if you guys need an in-kind gift, I don't know who at NC State would know this, but there's a great farm in Graham, North Carolina, yeah. called Benevolence Farm. And NC State, built, NC State built this sweet pole barn for them, like the College of Engineering. And they did it for free, you know. And I was like, being at NC State, you should, we're, we we're, should find them. We should find, find them, them out. Because we're actually building a pole barn yeah. now, or a, a yeah. tractor barn. It, it was. Yeah. It's fantastic. You should go. On, we'll, we'll go online after this That's and look awesome. at this because it's like, this is great. Yeah. So we won't so the get resources into the building we have. Farm building, right? As right. development director, I've. That's a conversation another time. (laughs) None of that stuff ever happens fast enough, of course. But I've always said, you know, we've got a great relationship with State. In fact, there's some folks that helped us with an irrigation system that's really unique that Uh doesn't require a lot of power from the one sort of pond water source down Mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. I mean, just brilliant people here. Right. And it's only four miles from where we're sitting, like I mentioned, five miles from where we're sitting. So we need to rely on them more. Frankly, yeah, yeah. and that partnership I think can be stronger, and we're looking at ways to do that. But it's been unbelievable. Just also people in the ag business here yeah. have helped us lay out the crop rotation For plan sure. and things uh-huh, like uh-huh. that. It's just really That's invaluable, frankly, um, because they want to help. Yeah. And there's, there's the best in the world at it right, right. here on right. campus. So it's cool. Well, this has been enjoyable. I've enjoyed it at the time. Yes, absolutely. It was really lovely getting a chance to just break away from the office yeah. and just talk. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the nonprofit experience. TNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gollihue. Our graduate assistant editor is David Mueller, and our communications assistant is Haley Jones. This episode was produced by David Mueller, who also wrote our theme music. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.